Number one, who was it? Like, I'll beep it out. Not tonight. You're not on the list. Hello, hiya, I'm Connor McLoon and welcome to season two of the You're Not On The List podcast produced weekly for Rewind That Track. On this podcast, we interview, dive deep and take a journey into the lives of those in the music industry. Everything from backstage in green rooms to on stage at festivals, we're here to chat to the people that make up the scene. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, big up yourselves. Thank you. Thank you. If you haven't already subscribed on Spotify or Apple Music, can you hit that follow button? And while you're at it, if you're feeling supportive and want to give back, can you give us a five star rating if you enjoy the series? Now, these episodes are going out across multiple platforms now as well. So the video of the episode will be up on the YouTube channel the weekend after it's released. Right. Let's crack on. My guest this week is a photographer within the music industry and his personality is as large as his client list. Over 10 years of experience shooting nightlife, events and plenty of anecdotes to go alongside them, it's Elliot Young. During this episode, we discuss which huge brands are still trying to pay creatives in anything but money. I actually got an email in July this year off a very well-known festival. They offered me drinks tokens and food vouchers. So they're not going to book me now after the way I replied to them, all right? <laughs> what did you say? We look at which nights of the year are the biggest to shoot now and why. Halloween, I reckon New Year's isn't as big as Halloween these days. And which genres are the worst for having unnecessary people in the booth? I want, I want, all right, I want a breakdown. Busiest booth, what genre are we talking? House. House, house, or, house, tech, or house. tech house. House or tech, tech house. house. Yeah, yeah, tech house by far. My guest this week is one of the most talented photographers in the music industry. With over 10 years of experience, he's traveled around the globe working with some of the biggest artists and festivals to document, showcase, and promote the industry. He's always got a camera and a lens in the right place at the right time. And if you've been to a large scale rave in the UK, he's likely shot you inebriated face at one point. It's Elliot Young. Good afternoon, fella. How are you? Sounds good, that, doesn't it? Did I have any? <laughs> <laughs> I've, never, I've never actually had anyone do me an intro. You like it? <laughs> it's summarising nicely. Yeah, I reckon so. Don't, yeah. I don't really do that many punter photos these days. Do you know what I mean? No. Like, you do the large no. scale ones. What I mean is, if you were to make a rough number, if you've been doing ten years, how many shows do you reckon you've uh, you've shot at? Oh, that's a good. I reckon. I know in twenty nineteen, I did two hundred and sixty five or two hundred and sixty seven shows. That is a ridiculous number. But that was the majority of them shows was in summer. So obviously yeah. when I were, I lived in a beef and I uh, the main photographer for our beef for rocks. Yeah. So I was doing five days a week for them plus freelance work on top of that in the evenings. So it were like it were like literally like seven days a week, two shows a day. So it were yeah. like fourteen fourteen shows a week. Jesus Christ, that is a monumental. That's so much more than what I thought. That is so much more than what I thought. That is, you are a busy lad. How, just out of interest, in that 2019 year, how many cameras did you go through? Did you manage to just hold on to one for, for the whole time? Yeah, I had one camera. My cameras are bad, honestly. Yeah. Like, I think this is what I had one camera, I have a Nikon D810, and then I think I upgraded in like October of 2019. And yeah. I got the D850, which I've still got, and that's still my current camera now. Yeah, and you, have you always been Nikon? Pretty much since I started doing events and clubs. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I don't. I, I've personally, I've never used a Nikon. I've, I've, I used to have originally when I first, like started doing a tiny bit of videography, started with a Canon and then moved over to Sony. So I've got no experience of using Nikon at all. But I like that's, that's interesting that you've uh, you've used it the whole entire time. Nikon body and Nikon lenses, would it? Uh, yeah. Well, when I was twenty nine, I'd been Sigma lenses because I. They were cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were they were cheaper. And then I finally like saved up some money and decided, oh, I might as well buy the good lenses now. And yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty much everything sneak on that I shoot with Beautiful. Lens, lens camera wise. My flashes are cheap ones though, because I break them every other week. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned there you were in 2019, you were doing the resident photography for uh, IB for Rocks. A couple of the other big, I mean, you've shot uh, the likes of... Uh, You've shot at uh, Printworks, you've shot for like Crewcast, you've shot like uh, loads of festivals. Can you go through some of sort of like the, the big events and festivals, like people that you work with? I know you've done bits for like Holy Goof as well, who's like a baseline artist and stuff. God, I don't know where to start with this, you know, because there's a fair few, isn't there? There's like, it's, it's weird to look back on it. Like I always say, like you don't really know you've done something until you look back on it. 
Yeah. Like, because it just, it just happens. And then, like, there'll be times where I completely forget about stuff. I went, oh, shit, I did that. Yeah. And I'm like, so I reckon, so do you want the current list or the previous list? or the Just lots? sort of like, just a couple of standout ones that you think people listening to would have, like, maybe heard of. And you think, like, oh, right, that's sort of like, oh, that's like a quite a pinnacle one for me. I think, yeah. So there's like a few points that I've done. So, like, back in day, like, I'm speaking 2015, probably like, the Jams nightclub series, which were run by um, Elijah and Skilliam, you know, from Butters Record. I do, I do, I do. So they they run like a like a little night in Wire, and it were like all like baseline grime sort of that thing. It were every Tuesday night, and I think it were like a fiver in, and it's like three hundred people. And it was just like photographically, it wasn't. It's not a good club to shoot. It was yeah. just literally a little sweat den, good big function one sound system, and everyone just having it off in there. And this were. This was literally just before everyone started Insta story and everything. Okay, so you still and had I think at Snapchat the time. was Snapchat had only just started going, so like you didn't constantly have like the DJs could play and not have three hundred fucking phone lights in front of their faces. Yeah. So I think that was like the moments where it was just translating into that, which now what we see is just everyone's got the phones out or vice versa. It doesn't really bother me. Like I know some people get bothered by it, but I don't really care. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, but I suppose that would be the era, wouldn't it? 2014, 2015, like you said, before before TikTok and before Instagram reels and everything like that, and, and really probably maybe even before Instagram stories. I don't know when Instagram stories came out, but like you said, Snapchat was starting to be a thing. But maybe around that time, like you said, yeah, people still enjoying a dance. If you were going out for an event, if you were going out for a social thing, you weren't trying to show, let everybody know. You could still sort of like just 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 enjoy it for what it was. But I feel like a lot of that, a lot of that night was very. The DJs were relatively unknown at the time. So you probably so had the like, likes of like, what is it? Flavor D issue was coming through. Maybe Royalty yeah. as well, but playing a lot of the stuff there. Yeah, so I think it was Flavor D, Royalty, DJ Q, people like Spooky, and then you'd have like P Money, Novelist playing. Yeah, I think Kano did one of them once, which was incredible. So really good grime DJs, really good grime MCs yeah. on top of that as well, like spitting back to back going over like, stuff. Yeah, and it was just like this tiny little club and everyone loved it. And I remember doing it and thinking, this is, that to me were like the pinnacle of my week were like Tuesday nights, I'm going to do that. But I'd been already been doing like nightlife photography for like five years at the time. Yeah. But that's how I lot, met a lot of the artists that I now currently worked for or still work with. Yeah. So Could just you, through that night. So that was for a night. What have, have you, uh, you've shot some quite big events as well, haven't you? Um, In terms of, I've, I've, with artists, yeah. Like yeah, a lot like of the stuff festivals. I do is, yeah, so like, so a lot of stuff I do with artists is very much like um, you just turn up, do an hour DJ set and photograph them at an event. So like, I think it's only in the last year or so that I do actual like full festivals now. Right, okay. So but, before um, that, it was like singular bookings, like you said, artists getting in touch, going, I'm playing at this event, I'm playing at this festival, I'm playing here, can you shoot yeah. my set type thing? Back in the day when it were a bit easier, you didn't have to do 18 hour days at a festival, you just turn up, do an hour and get battered off right. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, throwing, but, throwing it all the way back to the start there like um you originally what we were talking about there, is it keely keely just outside Keith, bradford or in bradford yeah, so I'm, I'm from keefley yeah it's a bradford what was that like growing up i've not been to the area i've not been to bradford i have no idea of the of what it's like it's as a place just was it a, nice? yeah well i lived in a village so it was quite nice so like yeah. where i lived is like beautiful countryside like at the time like and then obviously it's a small town and you know what any small town's like, you know, it's just standard. There's fuck all there. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? There's like, there's nothing there. Like it's just a small town. You've got a top man and a, a top man and a not like a nightclub and a few pubs. Do yeah. You know what I mean, and were you sort of starting off photography wise? Like, what was it that you got into photography? Were you shooting like landscape stuff? What you said is like a small town villagey type thing. Like you got do some you know nice, what? I nice wanted to be a wildlife photographer. Really? Oh, honestly, I was obsessed with it. Like, Growing up from like the ages of probably like 13 to like maybe like 17, 16, 17, 18, I was obsessed with like wildlife photography. And like I used to just go out with, go out with like a tiny little, it'd have been an old DSLR, it'd have been a Sony one, I think, or something like, and just a, like a 300 mil lens and just yeah. see what I could photograph. And I'd spend all day out just in fields, just getting covered in muck and just like taking photos of like birds and deer and like, Oh, I can see it. It just gasped me. That whole thing of like creating like an image to prove to someone that I saw something. That was yeah. what it was about. It was like, yeah, I saw a deer. And I'm like, no, you didn't. I'm like, well, yeah, I did. Do you know what I mean? And then I think I, um, at my school, they had like GCSE photography. So I thought, right, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And so I took that on. 
And then, but I'm, I'm educational wise, thick as fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, honestly, you mean like, like, you mean like academically? Uh, like, academically, like, yeah. That's, yeah. See, see what I mean? They, they, <laughs> that wasn't but, on purpose. That wasn't on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> that was just to clarify. Uh, that was just to clarify. So yeah, so like I was never really good at anything at school. So like I was always like, I saw just, just for reference, I've got dyspraxia, I've got dyslexia. Yeah, so I, I, I basically, I, I can't even write. So like I can I can write, but not very well. And I can read quite well now and stuff like that, but I can't write. And type, typing and stuff like that for me is incredibly slow. My grammar's shit and all that. So like I would never good at any of the other classes or all like that. I'd just sit at the back and be a dickhead, basically, because I couldn't do it. Right, okay. And then with photography, I was like, you know what, I like this. I'm going to put everything into it. So I just cracked on with it, did all wildlife stuff. I don't, and then somehow I just fell, in, fell into doing clubs. <laughs> like... Getting your first gig in the industry can be a challenge. I spoke to Elliot about how he secured his first nightclub booking. What was like that? What was what was the route into that? Like, because obviously they're quite different. Like, you you obviously for wildlife, you can just go out anywhere, shoot yeah. what you want to shoot. You haven't necessarily got to get a booking or anything like that. You're just shooting and 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 finding your feet there. What was sort of like the transition into like you shooting a nightclub? Like, did you approach them or did they approach you? Because they'd seen some of your photos online. That's- that's a funny story, actually, because I actually got, I was 17 at the time and I went down at the local town because obviously it wasn't just wildlife photograph. That was the main thing that I wanted to shoot with wildlife. But I'd take photos of absolutely everything. Yeah. And I think, I think everyone who's bought a camera ever has done this, where they've gone out, got a tripod and put the camera on, on side at road, slowed the shutter speed right down so you can get like the, you know, like the light streams of the cars going Yes, past. yeah, yeah, yeah. The headlights right, so and the real lights, yeah. yeah. So I'd gone down into like the local town and the nightclub at the time had, a, still, I think it's still got the sign. I don't know, like a massive sign called K2 Nightclub. And it's like a massive neon sign. So I'd set that up as my focus point. Yeah. And basically I'd just taken a photo of it and I think I'd put it on Facebook or something. And I don't know, someone the next day, like I don't even know how this guy found me because the thing is my Facebook wasn't like big and there weren't like promoters around there. And like the manager of the nightclub messaged me and he's like, can I have that photo for a poster? And I was just like, didn't charge him for it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then he goes, in fact, why don't you come? It was like Halloween weekend that weekend. And he's like, in fact, why don't you come down and take photos at the club? And I was like, well, I'm only 17. And he went, well, don't tell anyone. Just come anyway. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? Proper, <laughs> proper. And the thing is, it, like, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. Like, I were a little, like, I were proper nervous, like, corner of this, like, essentially, like, you imagine, like, the most sort of commercial sort of, like, town clubs possible. Like, yeah. And, I ended up doing I ended up doing the Friday and Saturday there. And then he ended up going, oh, why don't you come back next week and do it? So I did that. And I must have done that for about two years. Oh, really? So you've got, like, you got two years of experience at that K2 nightclub, like every Friday yeah, yeah, and Saturday. Yeah, but I was working, working at like Aldi and Morrison's and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Like, it was, I wasn't making, I, like, I think I got like 25 quid a night or something. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't like, it's not like, you know, like, I'm oh, I can... Don't have to do all else. Yeah. Because the thing is, I'd probably spend that twenty five quid behind bar because they never give me free drinks. And if I didn't <laughs> spend it, and if I didn't spend it behind bar, there were a takeaway over at road which I'd spend a tenner in a taxi, almost six quid. So I'd probably only make about a tenner a night. Yeah. <laughs> but you learn a lot, I suppose, from those two years. What you were learning yeah. was probably interacting with drunk audience people, like interacting, like doing oh, the, stereotypical the, nightclub the, photography the, type stuff. They're the worst. They were the <laughs> worst at that place. Like honestly, like. You know, it's just small towns, but like, you know, they still see people that go there that now, and it's just, I think it's funny that because I, I go to my local pub on Christmas Eve, and people will still remember me from that. Yeah. So, because you know, I've, I've moved to Leeds now, so like, I, if I'm back home for Christmas and I'm, I'm having a pint, I, I came out at toilets on Christmas Eve, and someone shouted, "Elliot, where's your camera?" And I'm like, <laughs> "So, oh, mate, do you know what I mean?" <laughs> at least you made a good positive impact, though. That they're remembering you. Like, it must have been a good. Yeah. Uh, it must have been a good. Yeah, you must have had a, a good. Like, there must have been right photos by the end. I just think I ruined everyone's mornings, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, the whole small town because everyone knows everyone. It's just like, <laughs> please remove this photo. Please remove this photo. I shouldn't be getting with this person, or I shouldn't be doing this, <laughs> yeah, or like, I shouldn't be speaking to these people. Can you delete this? What was the transition then from? So you were shooting for two years at K two, and then yeah. how did sort of like the um, how did the uh, sort of like first booking come after that? Were you sort of like contacted by like an artist or a DJ from like someone playing at K two? 
Um, so it wasn't necessarily that. Funny story, actually. I think one of the first DJs I actually shot there is TS7, who's now like a baseline producer. who's yeah. like relatively big in what he does now. So it's kind of a funny story. We always say it to each other because imagine ten years ago we used to do when you 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 played K2 and I took a photo and, it, and it's just like a weird connection because obviously at that time I probably didn't even speak to him then. Yeah. Do yeah, you know what I mean, it would I have been quite early on him. in his career as well, wouldn't it? Um, for him, yeah, definitely, yeah. I think for both of us, it were at that point, and then now we still obviously do bits together now every so often. So that's like it's like a cool little sort of like backstory to that sort of venue. But um, yeah, I ended up. I think. Um, let me think now. I think I ended up doing. I got asked to do like a, a local festival to us called Beat Herder for the Working Men's Club stage, which were like a comedy sort of like. It was like a comedy stage, but they'd have like comedy music acts on and then like a tribute band as the headliner. Yeah. But the rest of the festivals, like a hardened dance festival, like there's a main stage and they'll be like, they might have like a basement jacks headliner or something okay. like that. But like the rest of the other stages are all like hardened dance music. So you've got like a techno stage in the trees and then you had like a, a bass stage at the side yeah. and whatnot. So like the basically said, we're not going to pay you, but you can get battered for free. And this free food. Yeah. But the thing is, you've got to look at it. I'm, I'm probably 18 or 19 at this time. And I'm working at Morrison's full time. And I'm like, well, I might as well take weekend off and go get battered and take photos at this festival. Because I yeah. love doing it. When you're, when you're obviously younger and you're, and you're like, those, those experiences come up for the first time, you're always going to say yes. Um, yeah. I'm sure nowadays, obviously, the, the old, uh, oh, it'll be great exposure for you. is, uh, is, is I'm, Do you know I'm, I don't know whether you've heard that recently because obviously oh, you've been doing it 10 years now. You're, you're quite, you're respected in the industry, like you're known well. I actually uh, got an email in July this year off a very well-known festival and they offered me, um, I, I don't know what it is. Someone said, someone someone sent me the link and said, oh, just fill this form out. They're looking for photographers for this festival. And I think the festival in September. Yeah. And like, it wasn't a small festival. I think the headliners were like Goldie and like stuff like that. like big DJs. Like, yeah, yeah. And um, I got a reply. I, I, I probably should, I fully took the piss with him because <laughs> I got a reply back and it was like, sorry, we don't have a budget for uh, photographers this year. But um, but the thing is, they've obviously sent my website and they've looked at it and it's not the outside of arrogant. It's like, if you're going to look at my work, you're obviously, you're not going to expect me to work for free. Yeah. yeah That's what yeah. I said. Do you know what I mean? Like if you go on someone's website and you look at it and you go, right, we'll message them and we'll offer, they offered me drinks tokens and food vouchers for the weekend for, uh, in return for and they were, and we'll send you a brief of what shots we want. Mm. So me being me, <laughs> I I, re- I replied. Um, I think mean, I replied in the because I, I had a shit day, and yeah. I was just like you, 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 you are jokers here. I think it's two hundred and fifty quid a ticket for this festival. Is it so two hundred and fifty quid a ticket? They've got the likes of Goldie and like I'm not going to ask you to say the festival, yeah. but I'm sure it's probably like a couple of thousand. Oh, you know what? Fuck it. It's- Festival. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, gonna, they're not going to book me now. After. Gonna... <laughs> no, honestly, they're not going to book me now after the way I replied to them. All right. What did you say? Um, I basically sent them. This, I, be, I think it was along the lines of I do have the screenshot of it somewhere because I ended up putting it on my Insta story as a joke. I'm like, I'm because um, they sent me and it's like, I think I replied going, Oh, that's great. Thank you. Uh, my landlord said that um, I can just pay him in food tokens for his month's <laughs> rent. So I'll come down, da- I'll come down and do it. Did you get a response? Um, I did actually. And it were like, no need for your Saki messenger when they're trying to help people out. And I literally just. How the fuck are they trying to help you out? Is that a joke? <laughs> what it is. So we're like, like they meant, they were like, meant me out to be the bad person. I'm like, you're offering people to work for free. Oh, man. What I was going to say is like, I understand back in the day, like if it had been your first couple of gigs when you were 18 or 19, yeah. like everyone say yes to opportunities. Oh yeah. Especially when stuff's going out. But, but that's, that's quite an established festival. Mm. They've obviously got the budget for booking artists. Yeah. They're not kind of artists going, we haven't really got the money at the moment. So we're going to give you some free food tokens and drinks tokens. Well, Do you mind? Goldie, right. the legend of drum and bass, isn't playing for a fucking sandwich and a fucking bottle of rat wine, is it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, can you imagine our, so, all right, Mr. Goldie, here's your, here's your fucking bottle of wine and your sandwiches. Cheers for playing an hour and a half and selling us 1,500 tickets for tonight. Do you reckon, do you reckon that is, I, I mean, I mean you, you might not know, this is just like guesswork, but do you reckon that he would have done that pre-COVID or do you reckon they're still trying to recruit some losses and stuff from COVID and that's why they're being tight with, with budget? I, I think it's a bit of both, but I think what it is, is I think some people know they can try to take advantage of like creatives in that yeah. sort of sense because there is a lot of people that will work free and the thing is, I have nothing against people that want to go work for free. Hmm. And like, it's a good way to build your portfolio. And I'll always say this, like you can work for free. If you're, if you know you're going to get so much sick out of it, you hmm. work for free. Like I, I still, 
have done stuff for free this year or I've offered to do stuff for free because I know it's going to benefit me more. Mm. Like, I think a prime example of that is, do you know the first dance in Liverpool? Yeah, 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 the big massive one that was like the first rave back. Yeah, do you know like, so like, Was it Yousef and like a, a load of circus? circus. So yeah, yeah, so it's circus. And um, I saw they announced it and I thought, I want to shoot that. And I was like, I don't have an in with circus. I don't really know anyone from Liverpool or circus guys. So I thought I'll sit on it. I didn't, I thought I'm thinking about it. I'm sat at home and I'm thinking, I want to shoot that. And in my head, I'm going, right, I'll sit on it. And then they announced the lineups. So instantly I've seen the lineups and I've looked and I've gone, oh, Hotsin 82's playing it. I know Hotsin 82 because I've done some press shots for him and stuff like that. Yeah. So I've texted him. And I don't even, I think the text was like the most blunt text that I've ever sent someone. I just literally texted him. I went, oi. Or someone like that. Probably not I, but I just think I think I just sent him the date, the first dance. I'm doing it. That were it. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh well, I don't know." And I just said, "You don't have to pay me." And, and in they, the end up, in the end up, I did. He did end up paying me, but I was well under the assumption that I would do it for free because yeah. I know that that because it's more the fact of you being the one of the people to do that. That event was probably the most historic event. For the clubbing. last two years, like when we were, yeah, yeah when it was a big thing back, there, there were sort of like heads of heads that wanted to get there, they wanted to get backstage, yeah. like you know, obviously, like I'm mean, sure you'll have a lot of experience with. And we'll if get my mum and later. dad are seeing it on news, yeah, they know. My mum and dad don't know much about. Do you know what I mean? When they're yeah. going, that event's on news. I would did the Saturday, and on the Friday, it was the main news story on Friday, yeah. like every BBC Sky, and I'm sat at home. I'm sat at home, and I'm. I've done. I'm doing a lateral flow because I know you've got to get negative tests. And I'm going. If I test positive now, I'm going to. I'm going to cry. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of it. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sat there going, yeah. So um, it's one of them. Like I was just like, I need to do it, and I want to make it look amazing. I went in there, and I was literally. I don't think I slept the night before. I was just like, couldn't sleep the night before. I was excited, and I got there and shot just daily set. That's all I did. And it was absolutely incredible. Like I've never been in a room that had that sort of atmosphere. Like every tune, every tune that went off, it was just like crowd raw, mm. just like everything. And then obviously all, all the special guests that were coming out on the backstage area were just like really nice and great. Everyone, it's just like no one had seen each other for like two years. I remember seeing it, like you said, on the news, journalists interviewing people going into the event, like leaving the event, like saying, oh, how do you feel today? Like, obviously this is the first time for a first big there event. There were some hilarious did... videos from that though. Did you see the video where they're interviewing the news reporters outside and there's a guy like, there's a guy obviously he's had a bit too much and he's like, clinging round, he's going round like one of the fence poles at a lap. Do you <laughs> see someone at a festival? And yeah. he's just in the background of the news story, just like this scouse lad, just swinging round this lap pole, <laughs> absolutely battered. So that sort of would have been like towards the, the more recent shows that like of your career, of the 10 years. When you were shooting those first live events, what was sort of like the steepest learning curve that you had for like shooting live events and shooting yeah. DJs and being in a massive crowd? Like what were some of the things that you remember thinking like, oh, I've made a mistake here, but I'll learn from this. Or like, shit, I didn't realise this is something that I to like learn type thing it's weird because when you're doing it you don't realize you're making yeah. mistakes so like now if i look back on it i don't really think that i've ever really made like a massive massive mistake that's like ruined the night like these like times where stuff goes wrong but it's just learning how to adapt okay. to it like yeah. but i can't really reference like a mistake that i've made that's been like outrageous probably like drinking too much that's that's probably one of them like back back when i was like 18 19 20 21 i did like to drink a lot which I still, I'm not going to say I don't drink a lot now because yeah. when I'm working, because there's some nights where I will get absolutely battered whilst working, but it's, it's, within, re it's within reason. And I think, I think it's one of them where you've got to kind of learn how to work. Not tonight. You're not on the list. Hi, this is Elliot Young and you're listening to the You're Not On The List podcast for Rewind That Track. What's something that, like, sort of the crowd, what's one of the most common things that you get from the crowd? Obviously, we spoke before just as a reference and full disclosure, like, you know, Isaac Reader, who we had on the episode yeah. before. He's a videographer that uh, works in the electronic music scene, works, works with a lot of artists and events and stuff as well. He was saying some of the worst things that he gets, which is actually, can you take a photo of me? And obviously, he's, as a videographer, he's like, no, for fuck's sake. And he can't be asked to explain the whole sort of thing of, like, I'm shooting video, not photography. So he just pretends to do it and stuff like that. As a photographer, what's one of the things that you think most people come up to you and say? or what's one of the worst things that the crowd regularly does? That. <laughs> well, exactly that. Yeah. I suppose yeah, I because you're taking for, like you said, you're shooting for DJs and you're shooting for that person. You're not really, you're not really giving a shit about I think, sort of like I the, think some people don't really understand how they look as well when they're partying. <laughs> like, I don't want to sound like, I don't want to sound like a nightmare, but it's like people will come up to me, right? And they'll have sunglasses on, right? No shirt on, 
Joe like, swinging leftways. Yeah. Right. And then the three lads, and they all get in like a line. They all to do this, they line up and then tap me. And I'll turn around and just be three lads stood there, all shirtless, like that, throwing up gang signs or gun fingers at me. And I just look <laughs> at them and I don't even say out and now. I just look at them and just go, like, I just like, just like wave my hand under my chin as if to say, nah. And then like, <laughs> And then I, I just walk off. But I think the worst thing the crowd does to me is like poking or pulling my shoulder. Yeah, like, like physically like grabbing yeah, you, yeah, you know, yeah, that like, type thing. That happens. But the thing is, it's like, I, it, I'd i probably do it if I were pissed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I, I don't, it's annoying, but it's one of them. And if someone's had a drink, they've had a drink, haven't they? Do you know? Yeah. And I think you need to get used to it. And like, you need to get used to like general idiots. And like, I think also it's like, obviously you've got the element of that you've got thousands of pounds worth of gear in your hands whilst you're working, but someone's going to put a drink on it at some point. Do you have know you what I mean? That? Have you had that? Like, has somebody, has, has, what sort of equipment have you had damaged from other people? Do you know what? My equipment is quite heavily built. So like, it doesn't really get damaged that easy. And when it does get damaged, it's normally from my own doing. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, do you know what? I actually ripped off a lens off my camera in Hong Kong when I was with Holy Goof once. Well, just didn't release it like properly and just pulled no, it. And no, no, sort of... like so. I would basically done like an Asia tour with, and I think it was like the second to last show was Hong Kong for Greenfields. Okay, and he he was like he played like the, essentially what would have been like the first or second set, and then later on an artist that were playing later on had brought him out. I don't, I can't remember the art. It might have been Jaws or. I might it might have been a local artist who were playing a bit further up the line that brought him out on the same stage, and just before he'd gone to come out or during. I think during Goof set, I'd ran with the camera. You have like a monopod, which gets it a bit higher up in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, and, and I'd ran and then I'd caught the end of the lens because it was down by my side on the yeah. side of the stage and I'd just ripped it clean off the mount. But the thing is, that's the widest lens. So that's the lens that primarily I'm stood behind the DJ with. Yeah. And luckily, I'd luckily one of the photographers that were shooting that event, I'd already spoke to in the day, had a wide that I could just borrow for like five minutes. And then that were fine. And then I had to go, I think we went to Taiwan after and I just had to shoot a show on like a long lens. <laughs> just completely... Got a telephoto zoomed in. Like yeah, no, literally. Just got... Luckily, it wasn't like, we were on really early and it wasn't like, it wasn't like a massive show. Because the thing is, when artists go, like especially English artists go to like a country like that, you're very, you're either, it's more of just an experience and more like, you know, you're going to do it and like, you're not, it's not like playing at UK where like, you're going to be playing at 20,000 people. You might be first or second on, you know, on the stage and you might yeah. be only playing to like the people as they're just coming in. So like, luckily for them situations, which is a nightmare for me because I've got to make it look massively busy and massively good. That's and one of the skills got, as well that people don't realise, is it? Sometimes yeah, yeah. photographers and videographers, like you said, if you're playing an early set and you're a DJ and you're an artist, you might have been mm. not, the, the, the room hasn't filled up yet, the stage hasn't filled up yet, the venue's not there, but you can't be making it look empty. You can't be making it look small. So what do you have to do in that situation then? Like, there's ways about it. Like, a lot of the time, it's like, I, I did a few events this year, like, uh, just after Halloween, and they were they were for, a, like, a brand, like, a really big brand, and they were, like, a big sponsored event. And um, they booked, like, some big headliners and whatnot, and just basically, no one turned up. Really? And I mean, I mean, 30, I think 30 people turned up. We did three shows. I think only one of them were busy. And the first two, we did Bristol and Birmingham. And um, one of the shows, I think 30 people turned up, and they were giving, like, free giveaways out for, like, vouchers and stuff for the, this brand no and way. The vouchers and then left what do you i mean i'll <laughs> beep it out in, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll wait a minute i'll beep it out um when we like if it's yeah that's blowing my mind number one who was it like i'll beep it out it like, were so putting on events across the uk yeah three and shows around halloween time just after halloween yeah and, and why do you think what was it just like bad publicity or like um, bad who was playing yeah. it so um You'll, you'll have to beat, please. Yeah, I'll beat this. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't. This is just literally from, like, I'm just intrigued. No, no, do you know what I mean? That is, it's, it's, my, it's, it's a really good brand and I really like the brand. So I felt a yeah. bit sorry for them. Yeah, so, like, that's what I was interested. They're not so shit. Like, it's not like it's a shit Because when the booking come in, I was literally running around my house going, I'm shooting for so-and-so. Hey, yeah. This is sick. Right? Yeah. And um, so basically, yeah, they were giving out free vouchers. The headliners were what? No one turned up for it. This is shooting Bristol and stuff as well. Two pounds for a rave. And yeah. So you were two quid to go see. Plus you're getting like goodie bags full of vouchers and like loads. Honestly, the stuff they give away are probably worth 40 quid. Yeah. Right. So like, and people just turning up, getting the goodie bags and leaving. So I think in the end up, there are about 20 people on the dance floor. And this is the first event I've shot from and I'm shitting myself. Yeah. Because so you're like, there. oh God, I've got mates. I'm stood busy. there. Because the thing is, 
everyone looks at your website and looks at your Instagrams and stuff like that and they think, oh, this, this guy's the guy, oh, this guy's the guy, oh, they look amazing. And yeah. the thing is, 90% of what I do is because what the show's amazing or it's what's put in front of me. Yeah. It's like if you go shoot print works, like it's going to look good. Because but you've I've got never like seen thousands of thousands of people, long hallways, good art angles, like lots of potential there for good yeah. shots and stuff. Yeah. I've never seen a photo of print works that looks bad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, even I've seen people take photos on their phones at print works and I'm like, yo, that's sick. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so like, it's, it's one of them, but it's like, so we're in this tiny little club and there's no people there. And I'm just like, so like, you have to, you have to really like think, uh, get up and close with people and just try and find the angles and make it look busy. They were really happy what I did for them. Yeah. But in my head, I was sending it over the next day and I was like, this is dire. And then we went to Bristol the next day. And it, I mean, Bristol did a bit better, but it was still like, wasn't very busy. Like, Do you reckon it was just the marketing then that was rubbish? Because like, you've just, wait, well, there won't be an episode, but the names <laughs> you've just said, it's a big brand to start off with. The names that are playing are big. It must have just been like that it was just poorly advertised. There's a lot of factors to that week. It's like you've just had Halloween. And for example, yeah. Halloween weekends. Halloween, I reckon New Year's isn't as big as Halloween these days. You reckon? You reckon Halloween is bigger? I reckon Halloween is bigger for events and clubbing and festivals. Yeah. Because it's just everything. I think I did two. I did two this year. I did two like massive festivals this year at Halloween. Like I did like in different cities. It were an absolute... You're an absolute mission. <laughs> like, I suppose because nowadays, like on New Year's Eve, you get you can go out to a restaurant or you can go out to a pub and like there'll be a couple of events on. You could go to a nice some bougie place, some type of like big thing like that. Yeah. On Halloween, you've got student like actual clubbing wise, student nights are gonna be putting on massive nights, actual clubs are putting yeah. on massive nights. You've got the thing about dressing up as well, type thing. It's like quite a big student vibe, isn't it? Whereas on New Year's Eve, you've got so much sort of other stuff to compete with that they might and some people want to stay in as well, like on New Year's Eve, like they just think it's difficult to have a nice time out. Yeah, the thing is as well, we like you got to think Halloween. The students are still in the cities that they go out in with their friends. Yeah. So Whereas like, New Year's, they're back for Christmas, aren't they? Like at the yeah, hometown like, type thing. It's like January. That's why clubs are always dead in January because the students are here and there's exams yeah. and stuff like that. As much as like people say it's not dictated by students, regardless, every night is dictated by students and artist-led stuff. Artist-led yeah. stuff to student nights because. 90% of the people that are going out are 18 to 24. Like, in that, yeah, in that factor. Yeah, like, We've had like promoters on the podcast and stuff before saying like how much of an impact it does make. Like you said, the term time when people are having exams, like when there's like people that have gone home for term and like how many universities there are in a city will dictate how well an event will do. And also, also on the flip side to that of like saturation and oversaturation. So like sometimes you might have a massive city, but if it's playing the same type of music all the time, then sometimes people don't really want to go to that because it's oversaturated type thing. So it was interesting that like you just said there that Halloween was a lot more hectic than uh, the New Year's Eve was yeah I always feel like Halloween's always seems to be like the more hectic one but That's it's mad. also it's also you always get paid more on New Year's Eve because it's New Year's Eve though, isn't it? so it's like <laughs> double bubble double bubble it's double, <laughs> right it's not quite double bubble these days but you know what I mean like Oh, we can't do double bubble anymore. COVID's knackered us. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. You think, yeah, it has like, yeah, a lot of people have lost money, but then you also think you don't want to get into the position where you're like, we're doing it for exposure again. Do you want drink tokens and food tokens? No, thank you. I want that and my fee. Yeah. <laughs> <know> yeah. <laughs> Now, not every event runs smoothly and there's always going to be incidents at raves. I spoke to Elliot about some of the not-so-fantastic situations he's been in. What do you um, what do you think the worst, not specifically those that series that we've got on there, but what's, you can name it or not name it, what's sort of the worst event that you've had to shoot? And you can bleep names or we can remove the names if you event. need to. I, I try to think back in, I've done some pretty terrible stuff, like, like I did one in Halifax years ago. Like I'm speaking, this would have been years ago, and it just always rings out of me. And like everyone in there were just like off the faces on like MCAT or something. Like, do you know, like do you know when it's just like this is like the prime time? And I must have been like 18, 19, and like the headliner were like Katie May. And I don't know if you know who she is, but I she's don't. like so like Katie May back in the day were like a singer and she used to sing on top of like it had been like bassline speed garage, similar to what like Bad Boy Chiller Crew sing on okay, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she had like one she had like one tune that were like big, it was called Knees Go Week or something. And she were like the live PA. And all I remember is that we just like constant, like I think every five seconds there was just a scrap. Like it really? Was just, yeah, it was just literally like, literally it was just like, 
It was like a fucking cage fight, mate, constantly. <laughs> I remember just being stood in the booth, just going, I'm meant to photograph this. And this just is like, like proper back in day when I wasn't even a good photographer. And I just watched everyone scrapping. Scr- <laughs> it was just like hilarious to watch. Yeah, and, then, and not wanting to go into the crowd to get the crowd shots, like looking at the DJ, like, nah, I'm just going to yeah. stay in the booth. It's safer. It's safer, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> but that was back in day of like when Facebook albums were like the big thing. I remember back in the day, like small time nightclubs, right? You'd be like, Facebook album, will not touch Instagram. It, everything could be about the Facebook album and it'd just be all about getting people to tag their mates in photos. Yeah. And that's how they, that was like the main focus of every like promoter wanted. They didn't want the big hands up shot or the shot of the DJ. They didn't care for that. They just they wanted, wanted people. People interactions wanted, tag, people yeah, interactions yeah. tag. And then obviously I moved on from doing that sort of like commercial sort of like student-y sort of like clubbing to like more artist led stuff. Yeah. Which I still do student nights on Sly. Like, <laughs> you just don't see me put, do you know what I mean? You don't see me post about it. If someone offers me a nice a nice amount to do it, I'm going to go do it, do you know? Yeah, absolutely, mate. You've got to pay the bills, haven't you? And also, you know, if you can do it like the back of your hands, then it's not going to be any trouble. Monday, Tuesday night, mate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If it's <laughs> not touching I mean? anything else, 100%. 100%. As a photographer, what's, uh, what's something that people who book photographers get wrong? And what I'm going from is sort of an experience, or I've got a little bit of experience with some things. And it's slightly different to like what a videographer would do, because a videographer would ask, like they'll basically send over the after movie, or they'll send over like clips of someone that is like it's a drop or it's something mad like that. Yeah. And sometimes if you're doing photography, like some of the worst stuff that I've seen people or just heard sort of through the scene, and I wonder whether you can confirm this or deny this, is like people asking for absolutely every single photo when they have only paid for like X amount or like asking for the raws when they've only really paid for the edited ones or people asking for like you to edit photos and then you might see it appear on their Instagram or on their Facebook and you're like, they've fucking edited that and it looks shit. Like I've sent them this beautiful one that all looks nice and someone's oh, edited it, stuck old, a dead the, filter the, on it. The good old Instagram filters. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Have you, you, is this something you've experienced? It's not as prominent now, the Instagram filter thing. Like I think it used to be. But um, as, what were you saying before? You're on about the... Um... So like when somebody's coming to book you, you haven't got to name names or haven't got to name people, but like, will you, will you agree on a set of terms before you've even done the event type thing where like you'll go, right, you'll either book me for the hour and you can have absolutely every single photo under the sun. Like Sometimes I know some people have asked for like raw images and that and you think like, you're not going to edit these, but yeah, okay, fair enough. You can have them, whatever, that's fine. There's, like, there's a few ways it works. So like obviously there's a few agencies that are about kicking about like and they'll ask for us but i've never really sort of like worked for them because i've always thought so i thought i'd rather keep my own sort of identity as such yeah do you know what i mean because once you give someone your rows it's like the photo's gonna look completely different it could be any yeah. photographer that's taking them do you know what i mean so i can edit someone else's rows and it'll look like my photos yeah yeah so yeah. like and i'm like i've always been very strong about i don't want to push any anyone else's brand but myself do you know what i mean if they've paid for the shots they've slapped an instagram filter on it the only person they're mugging off is themselves yeah that's do you true know what i mean no, like, not, i'll just remove the tag from it do you know what I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I know i did take this photo but can you please not tag me in it because you fucking ruined it so. nah, the thing is in instagram tags you can just remove the tag yourself do you do most of your editing on the computer because it, it might sound like a stupid question to you do you do a lot of your editing on like lightroom on the pc or do you stick it mainly to all your like phone i do have lightroom for mobile which I yeah. use on my little camera. Like I've got like a little point and shoot camera, which I just take out when I'm shooting, but I very rarely do it. So I'd rather just put it, I'd normally, normally how it works is I'll import, edit, export, then leave. And I use Lightroom and I've got like loads of presets and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So it's video, they call them LUTs. In photography, they call them presets, even though it's essentially the exact same thing, but with like yeah. a different sort of like effect. It's what I don't understand video in the slightest me. I was going to say, have you touched on that at all? Like, have you ever have you ever dabbled at all with any I've videography done bits? One, I've done one live clip, and that were at the test event for Hot Seats eighty two. Yeah, and I only how did really, it go? Well, it got I think it got five hundred thousand views on his Insta, but the, nice. clip, the clip's shocking. It could have just been done, <laughs> it could have been done by a mobile phone, to be honest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was stood there with cameras shaking, <laughs> shaking, going. <laughs> I've got really, I've got an iron deficiency, so I have really shaky hands, which is a bad oh, thing for right. a top photographer. So like yeah. my hands are always like quite shaky. So like yeah. I, I need a gimbal, and I'm like, <laughs> so shooting like, the uh, yeah, shooting the photos got that auto stabilization on. Yeah, stick it on a yeah, stick it on a Ronin as well, and then go right. I'm ready to take photos. Yeah, exactly. Photos. Like, my hands are always shaky. So if you pass me an iPhone, 
I'm a holy goof has always said this about me. He goes, don't ever give him an iPhone because he's shit with an iPhone. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, they used to pass me phones to do Insta stories. And because of like how I can't do it, my hands will shit. But if you I've shake that of, much that, yeah. Sometimes, yeah, especially if I've been drinking the night before. But yeah. like if, I, if I've got a bit of weight to it, it's fine. Because then you're yeah. holding so you can like kind of, it's like a bit of a resistance. But yeah, with an iPhone, I'm terrible. <laughs> like, you know, someone passes you your phone and go you're a photographer you know how to take a photo and it's like yeah and you're like oh god no please not, no. On, not on an iphone you were, you were mentioning there about like editing and um, occasionally working for agencies and getting bookings in how have you have you got any experience with people stealing content of yours or have you got any experience from the industry about people like not crediting i mean like sort of what's your what's your i mean you can talk about it if you want to and being as open and honest as you want like if you're working with an artist or if you're working with an event do you ask them to sort of tag you or credit you when it goes up on instagram and it goes up on facebook or do you not really care is that sort of like part of the price i think it's like it's like an unwritten rule more than else like it's never it's, if i send someone content that I've shot for a festival and it's essentially they're getting that content for free. Yeah. Then I'm probably going to set a stick at end at message. Well, if you post tag us, do you know what I mean? But like, I know some people get, I can get wound up by it sometimes and I have done and it does wind, it can wind you up sometimes. It depends. It depends who's posting it. If it's like Joe blogs, probably not. But like, sometimes you'll get like a massive artist post a shot and not tag you. And that like post will be on like 15,000 likes or something like that. And you're like, yeah, you just go, and it's not, I never think that it's like an intentional thing because a lot of these sort of like big artists and big people have teams to manage their like yeah. social media. A lot of do it themselves and a lot of management and stuff like that. So it tends to just like slip the net a bit. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And then normally just a quick nudge, quick message. Oh, can you tag me in that post, please? And it's normally sorted with, do you know yeah. what I mean? I know some people don't like to tag and then, well, it is what it is. And if you're getting paid for it, you can't yeah. really moan about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, you know, if you open a catalog, a next catalog, or, I don't know why I've said next catalog. We're in two thousand and eight <laughs> or something. But, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Yeah, like the next catalog, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, the yellow pages, you're there. Especially like a catalog. <laughs> magazines are a bit different because magazines do have credits in them. But like, you're not. It's not credit in every port. Do you know every photo? Imagine how yeah. much. Would, so to me, it, it helps and it doesn't help. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so if anybody listening to this now from Next, um, Elliot Young would like a uh, sponsorship deal with Next, please. If anyone could kit him out with the freshest garms for his next show, uh, next special, see if we can get a little collab going there. Do you know what? I reckon they do loads of good boxes and socks. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah. mean? You can never have enough. You can never have enough black socks and black boxes. For someone who needs to be in the right place at the exact right time, people getting in the way of shots can be an issue for photographers. I spoke to earlier about heads in DJ booths and who are the worst culprits for it. From working at live events, working at working at raves, working at festivals, working in nightclubs, like you said, you occasionally will stand in the crowds and shoot towards shoot towards the artists and shoot towards the DJ because you're doing the live stuff there. How have you? What's your experience with being in the booth? And there have been a lot of people in the booth that might not necessarily warrant being in there and getting in the way of you working. How have you sort of um, have you had to deal with that a lot in the industry? I've seen it sort of get as we were talking about there, like 2013 and 14, when you was originally shooting the stuff at Wire. You were mentioning there it was sort of like the start of like Instagram stories coming yeah. out, Snapchat was being a bit of a thing. People were looking to show off there. Over the last six, seven, eight years, we, it's just got worse and worse and worse, obviously, with people showing in the content, people wanting just to show that story, being like, look, I'm in the booth, look, I'm being on the stage. And obviously, I've been there as well myself. Like, I've done interviews and stuff with artists backstage. I've also done some videography bits and stuff there. So sometimes I've warranted to be on the stage in the booth, sometimes not, but you push it. How have you found um, over the last sort of particularly three to four years, people being on stage and getting in the way has uh, impacted you? You're on about the lip filler crew, aren't you? <laughs> Is that what we're calling them now? The lip filler crew. Nah, nah, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. Do you know what I mean? Like, but it is, it is, it depends. Like some events you do, I think it varies from genre to genre to how busy the booth is. Do you reckon? Go on. Okay. So I want, I want, all right. I want a breakdown. Busiest booth. What genre are we talking? House. House. House or tech house. House or tech house. Yeah. Tech yeah. house by far. Right. And then D and B and bass. Ten, can have busy booths depending on the night of the artist. But the thing is, a lot of the bass guys and the D&B 
all have militant tour managers now. Yeah, so they're who, like, get out. Like, you're yeah, not, you're, you're, yeah, you're like, not stepping you, foot in it. Who are you? Get out, get yeah, out, get Do you out, know what like, I mean? Like, if you, see, if you see a guy in a protective tour thing, it's like, no one's getting in that booth. Even I have to struggle <laughs> to get in that booth. You're trying to shoot with a bit in no, the gun. There's certain artists that like have really protective tour managers and like you've got to build a relationship with them like tour managers to be able to get invoices and you've got to be yeah. nice. Essentially, you've just got to be nice mm. and not be an idiot. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like if you're rolling up with a bottle of vodka in your hand and a camera in your hand, you're not getting in that booth because you're, you're, you could ten- potentially jeopardise the show. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know what I mean? If you turn up and introduce, I say I always say when I turn up to somewhere, I introduce myself to everyone that's essentially working. Like anyone that's going to have some sort of impact on what I do. So if I go to an event, I normally go stage manager, see the production guy, well, well, see the FX special effects guy. Yeah. Then I go speak to the lighting guy. Yeah. And then I speak to whoever's on the security of the pit. And yeah. just say, look, I'm going to be coming through here all day. I've got the passes and whatnot. So then when I am coming through, I don't have to be like manhandled or stopped and have to like whip out every pass I've got in my pocket or ring someone to get through. And I find that massively helps as well. And it's just being nice. just going up to that guy and just saying, oh, hey, mate, I'm doing this today. What what sort of kit have you got today? Have you got lasers? Have you got this? Have you got that? And how are you intending on using it? That's interesting because I hadn't really thought about that. Like you obviously, because what we were saying, uh, talking a little bit about before this on the pre-Anfield phone call about having with video, you've got sort of a little bit more leeway with getting the right sort of frame, getting the right clip, getting the right shot. Obviously with photography, we're talking tenths of a second, splits of a second to get that right shot at that right point. So you're going up there asking him if he's using lasers. What sort of like impacts your camera then? Like what would you be asking sort of whether he's using lasers or like strobes or stuff for? Well, it's more to know just how I shoot. So, like, that if I know these are that, it depends. Some light jockeys I've worked with several times, and I know how they do the lights. Yeah. So I know like every light jockey is different, and to me, the most important person is light jockey. So with video, video is constantly rolling. So yeah. it doesn't really matter what the lights technically do. As, do you know what I mean? If they don't go off on a drop, then it's pretty disappointing. But the thing is, what the video's got the music. As with me, I could kind of, I think with photography, you can kind of blag them moments because you're not, you're not putting a tune to it. Yeah, that's true. So, that's true. Do you know what I mean? So, like a lot of the times, you know, when you see everyone with their hands up, it, yeah. might, it might not even be on a drop. Not, yeah, that's true. But you've <laughs> it's on a break. It. Yeah, you've it's shot on it. a breakdown. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, on yeah, a breakdown yeah, yeah. or something like that. Okay, so, tech house well, and house, busiest yeah. people. And when we're saying busiest people in the booth, not necessarily that they shouldn't be in there, but it's people that aren't specifically working at that event, is what the we're way saying. I if you're not the DJ, not the light technician, you're not the stage manager, artist, liaison, photography, video, fuck off. Do you know what I mean? Like, a lot of the time, it is just like mates of the promoters or something like that, and they've somehow just all been given a wristband, and you end up with 40 people in there. Do you know what? Doesn't annoy me sometimes. Really doesn't. But these times where there'll be times where I'm stood behind a DJ, right, and someone will step in front of me with their iPhone out. Oh, mate, I've had it before yeah. as well, like, and like warehouse projects and stuff as well yeah. that I've been shooting. And people, like you said, the iPhone. And if you go, excuse me, like you've got like a massive rig, you've got like obviously a professional yeah. camera, massive yeah. fuck off lens on it, and you'll go, sorry, I'm just trying to shoot. And then they look at you as so I to go, well, no, I'm shooting. And it's like, well, one of us is working here, mate, and it's been paid for and stuff like this. Mm. You are in here shooting like on your camera to try fucking show off your 200 Instagram followers. Like, yeah, fuck like off. I always said, no one gives a fuck about your Instagram stories. And it's 100% true. Like, it's rare. It's rare that I've ever watched an Instagram story. And even like I've taken videos myself, but you never look back and go, wow, like really, that, that's sick. Like sometimes you see it on the feed and you'll see professional video and stuff like that. But I'm talking an actual Instagram story is yeah. rare where you'll go like, fuck, that looks sick. Man, I just flick through them. That's all I do. Yeah. I bang, mean, bang, it's bang, just bang, 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 bang. And then yeah. flick back and then occasionally flick back and you go, oh, what's so-and-so doing there? Bang, 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 yeah. bang, bang, bang. Do you know what I mean? Like that's it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I think that's what it is. And I think everything's, Every, especially like with this industry and content being so key now, a lot of these DJs that are big now have come up in the age of content and that's the main reason why they've got probably big is because of, well, it's, you know, do you know what? That's a bit, that's a bit bad. I'm discrediting a lot of the work. That no, mate, it's in. half and half. No, it's half and <laughs> no, half. No, it's it's bit, there no, are listen, I don't want up. to end up on Twitter like that fucking Molly May has this week. Like, going, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, Everybody's got the same 24 hours in a day. If you want to be a nightlife photographer, there's 24 hours in a day, but you've got to work 12 till 4 Uh, a.m. mainly. And the rest of it is sleeping slash applying presets. Sleeping. 
buying presets and dealing with requests to DJs to Photoshop white powder off the noses. <laughs> I've had to do that with video as well, mate. I've had to do that video masking. There's been two early on in my career when I was doing Rewind That Track. Um, I did, I'm not going to say who the interviews were, but there has been twice where I've had to frame by frame for a section, like look, but I hadn't noticed at the time and then look back at the video because it's obviously been my friends, like I was grabbed on the camera and stuff like that. Look back and thought, oh fuck, like that is a lot of, there's a lot of something around someone's nostril and I've the either got to is- cut this, cut this, or I've got to frame by frame, like color grade it. And it's a, uh, yeah. The thing is, a lot of like the super big guys now are like sober, like yeah, pretty much work sober. It's always, always the, the residents. It's always the residents. It's always like the warm up DJ that's absolutely <laughs> no, the, the, the guy that's closing. The guy who's ever closing who's coming on after the big headliners. Last hour of power. Yeah, last the, the, hour of power. Yeah, and he's literally always just like can just about stand up. Right? <laughs> and I only with them sort of nights, I normally take like four shots of them and just leave. Do you know what I mean? Like I got yeah. what I need, but I know it sounds a bit bad, but I'm normally tired and yeah <laughs> i want to go back to my hotel or have my four hour sleep before i have to go to the next city do you know what i mean like you can't expect it always to be clean and empty and like so sterile and like you know it's not it's not creamfield's main stage every day is it do you know no, what I mean? it's true it's true and like it's you said not- some of those are big families but actually when you i think you haven't hit the nail on the head there because the amount of times that i've been to a tech house or a techno not even techno sorry i'm sticking mm-hmm. to tech house here and specifically tech house there's one night slash label brand um, that I'm not going to say who it is, but I think I literally counted like 38 people genuinely on the stage at one time. And I was like, this is mad. Like, I know there's probably about six DJs on the lineup. Fair enough. Each one of those might have been a partner I'm just, I'm just trying to work out what event it is now in my head. I'll narrow it down. It's a big one in Manchester, yeah, it's but it's not cool. Warehouse yeah. Project yet. Yeah, <laughs> 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 literally stood there on the main oh, stage. It was like room two of Manchester Academy. Uh, room two or maybe room one and I was just like this is mental like the, the, I was shooting video there as well it's like I wasn't it wasn't like I wasn't supposed to be on the stage like, I was interviewing artists and stuff there and needed to get b-roll or needed to get other stuff with it and I was just like this is ridiculous it was you like a school I, it was like some school Christmas play that was like, I did an <laughs> it was event. Just like so many people hmm. I did an event this summer um, news and park festival yeah right and it's like um, the lineup was insane for it it was Sven Vaff Adam Bayer on the main stage, it's like a big sort of like arch sort of stage. They had, um, so like, do you know, like imagine like a big Creamfield size stage. Mm-hmm. So that's the main stage. And they put the DJ booth right, you know, normally it'd be in the middle of the stage and mm. like back to so the, put the DJ booth right to the front edge of the stage. And then right, okay. barriered off the booth, round the booth. And then behind that, they had a function one pointing towards the away from the DJ and away yeah. from the crowd. So they had a VIP area on the stage oh, for hell. all the artist guests and everything. And that worked so perfectly because we still had the bits to move. Yeah. But they, we still had all the people could still be the little stage hoggers. Yeah. And do whatever they want and do all their socializing and their interviews. But then we had the space to work and do our thing. Oh, they had a bar. They had a bar. Oh, right. They had well, a on the bar. stage. Yeah, on the, the stage in the corner. Oh, like, <laughs> what event was this? What was it uh, called again? News and Park. It's a great little festival. Like it used to be called Cocoon in the Park for uh, right. Oh yeah, yeah, it, is it, yeah, yeah. I've so heard they've of always, in the park. They've always yeah. had like the stage sort of like that, and they've always had a bar on the stage. But I'd completely forgot about it because I've not done it for about six years because I've been in a beefer and stuff like that. Yeah. So like, um, yeah. So they had. It were amazing. Honestly, it's such. A, it absolutely pissed it down though the whole time. Like it was the only one this year that. <sighs> I think I got quite lucky with the festival. I only had two that where it absolutely pissed it down. Like, there's no worse. Because the thing is, you can't really shoot good content in the pissing down rain. Is that because people are looking miserable and it's not really good? Or is that just because the rain will interfere with your actual, like, literally the rain physically will interfere with your lenses, interfere with your shot? Oh, it's pretty much everything, isn't it? So, like... One, how, how are you going to sell a festival when you look out to yeah. the crowd and it's all umbrellas? Everyone's yeah. in like black coats those with ponchos, the hoods Those yeah. really thin ponchos yeah. that you can see. Yeah. Where, do they, where do they get them from, them ponchos? Like, did they bring them with them? Did they bring them with Yeah, they got to right. be organised. Or there's some, there's some really tight businessman that oh, is rather than trying to sneak in, in drugs, there. rather than sneaking in drugs and uh, trying to sneak those in. So they look at the forecast, they go, I'm going to be selling these for a five or a pop. They cost me 40p each, yeah. but I'm going to get a markup of <laughs> a markup of whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, they must, yeah, they must bring them in there with them. 
Nah, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's like everyone just whips them out. I, I'm just like put on my actual coat because I'm sensible and I bring a coat to every festival I go. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Not tonight. You're not on the list. Hi, this is Elliot Young, and you're listening to the You're Not on the List podcast. For rewind that track. You might want to. Well, you might. You is there anything that you've seen backstage that has made you at any point go like, "What the fuck am I doing in this industry?" Like, have you ever witnessed anything? You haven't got to mention anyone's specific names or specific events, but you can talk around it. Have you? Is there anything that will sort of come to mind where you think, "Fucking hell!" Like this, this is uh, this is pretty mad. Do you know what? I don't really know. Do you know what it is? Like, I think, I think everyone has this massive conception that backstage is like some sort of like mad party, and it really isn't half the time. Like, yeah. especially with like all the people that I work for. A lot of the people I work for just literally sit in the dressing rooms and chat shit about music. Or like, or like other stuff, or just general life. I think everyone thinks like you go backstage somewhere and it's just going to be like everyone's just like getting on it and like going absolutely mental. Which some places it is, but like yeah. it's not like it's not like some sort of like mad party that everyone thinks it's going to be like some Project X backstage and all DJs are going mental and ballistic. And I, I really, really think that it just tends to be a lot of people just chatting shit and loads of people in black dressed in black. Yeah, that's true. That's like, true. Or people running around being like, "Oh, my mate's on the guest list, but the fed bouncers aren't letting him in." Can yeah, you go let him in? yeah, that's literally it. It's like that's literally all it is. Have you got another wristband, please? I've snapped my one, but yeah, yeah, okay, cool, nice one. Yeah, but that's that's literally it. It's like it's very, it's very tame to an extent. Yeah. It's just like that. I think that's what it is. I think it's probably these are probably people now just don't really want to be seen doing all stupid. Do you know what I mean as well? Well, that is the other thing as well, isn't it? Now that there is a camera phone and there's a camera in everybody's hands, you don't want to be caught out on stories and you don't want to be caught out um, with anything because like you said, you can get, you can get canceled or you can get uh, your career sort of jeopardized from doing something silly. Right, mate, we will wrap up with one final question um, just because I don't want to keep you too long. And I'm very aware that we've been talking for an hour and a bit now. Um, If you could give advice to anyone that wants to get into photography in the music industry, and in the scene and also so that's what I'd like you to answer and also if you could give advice to ravers or people that are punters at events if they see a camera in front of them or if they see a photographer or a videographer or anything like that what advice would you give I want to start with the people getting into it like I think don't be afraid to message people and speak to people and I think one of these things is don't expect people to come to you Hmm. like do not like you can be the best best photographer in the world, but if you sit on your ass and don't speak to people or you don't message people and ask for work, you're not going to get it. Like you yeah. might get bits, but you're not going to get, you've got to go out there and you've got to ask, you've got to ask people, you've got to ask for stuff. You, do you know what I mean? It's not going to be given to you. You've got to ask, yeah. you've got to fight for it. Do you know what I mean? You've got to be active. See, like uh, 90, I reckon 99% of the stuff that I've got for is because I've asked for it. It's one of them. And it's also don't worry about what kit you've got. I okay, think that's a big I've, one. Yeah. Do you know, this is what I post is a lot of people have, abundance of cash right which would be fucking great wouldn't it be nice it would be fucking nice right if do you know what i mean and if you do got loads if you if you have got loads of cash fair fucking play right and spend yeah. it all on best gear fair enough but i think people need to remember it's like you don't need the best gear to do the best job no nah, there's so many people in the industry that have all the gear and no idea in there yeah, it's the not thing- even it's not even that it's like i know people that have just buy new gear just for the sake of it Mm. do you know what i mean it it does wind me up sometimes because it seems to be like a brag do you know like look at me like i saw something you know especially i think the new macbook thing were a thing that rate annoyed me the the one with the m1 chip yeah yeah so i think the new macbook thing because i was seeing people put macbooks and stuff in bins and do you know what i mean like oh like yeah the same MacBook that I'm using, which I paid fucking like three or four grand for, and I'm putting, oh, this yeah. one's useless now because I brought out a new and we an M1 chip that's faster. And it's like, yeah. and in my head, I'm thinking, you are not seeing, but someone in that work would probably be desperate for a computer like that to do their yeah. editing on. You have got to be not, socially aware, aren't you? Yeah, of like it's what not even socially aware. It's just like, stop acting like a spoiled cunt. That, yeah, that, that's, that, what, that, yeah. that's what it is. It's like, don't act like a spoiled cunt. Like, I can sit on here and chat shit all day, but I don't really, I haven't really talked much about me actually doing my job of being a photographer. It's just more the stories about it. Mm. Like, I love it, but I'll tell you now, my kit is not the best kit. My mm. camera is five years old. The one that I'm using now is a five-year-old camera. My lenses are slower than everyone else's. My, my camera's slower than everyone else's. I'm thinking of upgrading. I'm stressing about it. But the thing is, I know that I can go in and do a job Right, and the people next to me might have the bet the, the ten grand camera which I've not used. They might have the better mm. that, but it doesn't matter. 
It's mm. learn. I think it's more learn to use summer, know it inside out. Yeah. Like you said, the 10 years, the 10 years of experience mm. you've got there is so much more valuable yeah. than having an upgraded camera or an upgraded lens or anything like that, because you've shot all these events, actually got in there, mm. got amongst it, put yourself in that situation and have been active is so much more beneficial and valuable to you as a, as a, somebody, think, as a creative than yeah. like going, Oh, is this new bit of kit type thing? Like, have you shot any videos with it before? No. How many events have you done? Not really that many. Okay. Well, it doesn't mean you're going to be a better photographer then or a better videographer. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter. Do you know what I mean? I'm not discrediting in anyone that goes out and buys the best kit ever because the thing is fair play to them do this as a full-time job and make a nice living off it mm. probably not after this podcast i've probably cut someone out do you know <laughs> as what long i mean as I beat the names yeah. as long as i've beat the names there's not going to be any molly may fiascos don't worry about yeah. it We've got do you know what I mean? right, it's fine i don't think i'm big enough for that do you know what's the uh, what's the advice you'd like to give to the people in the booth that shouldn't be in there Stay out of my way, innit? <laughs> nah, nah, do you know, the people in the booths, it's not, as much as it is, it can be an issue. It's, do you know what I mean? But depends on or not. If, if I'm sober, I'm annoyed by it. If I had a drink, I'd probably just crack on with you. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I'd probably get involved and have a few drinks with him and whatnot. But it depends. <laughs> it's one of them, and it's like, I've got, if you've got a job to do, just let me do my job and then you can enjoy yourself. And then anyone yeah. that's just going out and getting pissed, just keep buying tickets. You know what I mean? Promoters have been struggling for the last few years. You know, I keep going out and buying tickets. Because at the end of the day, if these events aren't selling out, I ain't going to be getting booked, am I? That's true. That's true. You've got to keep Elliot Young in business, please. Go out there. Buy those tickets. You know support I mean? the industry. Support so, the nightlife industry. It is indeed, man. Elliot Young, it's been a, it's been a pleasure, mate, to chat yeah, to you thank today. Yeah, it's, it's been great having you on and it's been interesting to hear about your, uh, your insight. Just originally where sort of how you got, how you got into photography and the route that you came through. Um, and then obviously hearing sort of the, uh, the opposite side of like what videography and photography events is like. Yeah. And then hearing your perspective of uh, sort of some of the stresses and the struggles, but also some of the high stuff and how some of the bonuses and some of the positive stuff that's, uh, that comes from the events and comes from being able to have these experiences. And I think there'll be people that are listening that will want to take away and we'll take away some of the advice that you've you've shared on how to get into the industry sort of how to approach people and then sort of the way of being active and um also not uh letting people pay you in um in drinks tokens and letting people try to pay you in um food tokens as well when they're paying djs tens of thousands of pounds i think that's also important yeah. as well to know your worth know your worth absolutely in the industry yeah, well, hopefully I don't come across as a massive bellend, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't at all, mate. You haven't at Any all. Any DJs but, uh, yeah. I've messaged, spoke about, please still book me. I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I've told you once, I've told you twice, you know, on the list. All right, all right.